This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential. Thanks so much for joining us. On July 13th, SAG after President Fran Drescher held a powerful and defiant speech at the Screen Actors Guild press conference. The negotiations with the AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers representing the major studios, had broken down. On July 14, 2023, the American Actors Union went on strike, joining the Writers Guild, the WGA already on strike, in the first joint effort in more than 60 years, effectively halting all major TV and film productions in Hollywood. This is a fight that the actors and writers are calling an existential battle, a fight for the future. To understand more about what is happening from the inside, I'm very happy to have with me Kevin E. West. Mr. West is on the SAG-AFTRA Negotiating Committee, as well as chair of the LA Organizing Committee. He's an author and founder of the Actors Network. He's also a veteran actor with a many decades-long career on shows such as NCIS, Bones, Criminal Minds, Lost, CSI, and much more. On Tuesday, when Kevin and I spoke, SAG-AFTRA members in New York, like Brian Cranston and Christine Baranski, were rallying. And news just hit that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is donating an unprecedented seven figures to striking actors. Kevin E. West, thank you so much for joining me to help us navigate all this. There is so much happening. You're welcome. My pleasure, Christine. I want to get into the strike, but I wanted to get your quick reaction on some breaking news that was earlier today, and that is that the actor Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock, he has donated apparently the biggest single donation to SAG-AFTRA. What are your reactions to this? Uh, I, it's funny because as I was dealing with some of my morning errands, somebody sent me the article, and while I have not had a chance to read the article thoroughly, uh, the reality is is that uh, yay for the rock and the difference that I think it makes with respect to not the long history of legacy SAG or SAG after now. I think it's that you know you you metaphorically don't win wars without your big guns, and one of the things that I think our union in general. Over the last, let's let's at least say since the turn of the century, as we've gone into the digital era and how our contracts have changed, we've not really always necessarily done a terrific job of, of reaching up to, let's say, the upper 1% or the upper half percent of our union, who isn't necessarily just financially secure, but also just, you know, knowing what's going on in the contracts, really not their world, because they're so far above what we would call minimum wage scale uh, of our union. And so for someone like The Rock to come in financially, and do something like that. Um, it speaks volumes. It is extraordinarily needed. It's helpful. The Entertainment Community Fund needs help. And so it's one of those areas where 
we are grateful for it. And I, and the more a listers that can be engaged in whatever way they wish to engage is nothing but a help in this kind of a work stoppage. And the money will help people to continue to be off work and strike. Indeed. We heard your bio before, some of my favorite shows that you've been on. You've been a working actor for many, many decades. And during your career, you must have seen big changes in the TV landscape. Um, what are some of the notable changes you've seen through the years as a working actor that are now sort of pertaining to the strike in your own career? To try and keep it, I think, Christina, as simple as I can for, for the audience, I'll just give a really basic example of the way things were. When we were not in a, a digital streamer platform world, for example, I would do an episode of, let's say, Judging Amy or an episode of Lost or something like that. And you, you know, top of show guest star and you make a certain amount of whatever you make, but you were always guaranteed a summer rerun. And just to put it in context of a fixed residual, which is not the formulas we have for, for high-budget streaming video on demand, uh, known as SVOD, you, you, could, you would get 100% of that paycheck when it reran the first time on broadcast television. And so that was, in a way, you'd book a job, and it was almost booking a job times two. And that residual payment was crucial to not only your fiscal survival, but also in one of the big issues, which was qualifying for health care. And, you know, we have over 87% of our membership can't make $26,000 a year anymore uh, to qualify for health care. But these days, those reruns no longer exist. They don't exist because if a show, when a show airs on what we call standard network broadcast television, they don't rerun anymore. It gets what we call our contract moved over. So it gets moved over to a streaming platform, which is a different formula and a different uh, distributor's gross uh, receipts base formula. Uh, which gets really complicated, and I took calculus, and it's complicated for me. But the dollars you don't make compared to what we used to make are uh, exceedingly low. And our union sort of, in, in ways, did not do a terrific job with cable way back in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, with our negotiations for cable. And we are on the brink of, and have been dealing with through the 21st century, sort of a failed model again. And this is what you heard our president, Fran Drescher, speak about in terms of changing the business model by them and really not including us in the dollars associated with it. But the easiest way to say it is, yeah, there's no longer 100 percent rerun check. And that was crucial to all those people like myself who've done a lot of work but aren't necessarily stars. Yeah, because we're not talking about Brad Pitt's of the world and the Tom sure. Cruise's. Um, you've, I've heard you say yourself I thought this was an interesting number. 98% of, of your membership authorized the strike and 98% can't make a living. Yeah. I mean, mm. again, that when we discuss in this country, which you just the UPS action that just happened this morning, a living wage is not really a minimum wage because obviously the cost of living is different in different places that you live. But if you just take you know, Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles in this country, and you look at the cost of living in those cities, especially, Christina, you know, if you're married, if you have one child, uh, try, you, you, making fifty or $60,000 a year in Los Angeles with a spouse and a child is, it's not poverty level, but you're certainly not really able to live very well at all. I mean, at all. So the the concept of a living wage based on the way our contracts are constructed now and based on where the streaming platforms have gone along with paid TV, HBO Max versus Apple versus Amazon, and then someone like ABC Disney or NBC Universal Peacock, where they have both of those platforms, uh, our contracts are, I, I make 
far less than I did 15 years ago per job. It's mm-hmm. just ridiculous. And do the studios figure that, yeah, that's okay. We don't need them. They can take another job. Yeah, I, I don't, I think we do live in a, I think we do live in a general construct that uh, when I say, when I say they don't care, I mean it from the standpoint of, uh, you know, if, what's the old phrase, give an inch, take a mile. You know, if, 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 it, if it's possible, I, I tend to use this line and I use it specifically for a reason because it's a reference we can all relate to, Christina. Remember the original movie, Wall Street? Oh, yeah. Right. Michael Douglas, right? And so Charlie Sheen's character towards the end of the movie, when he gets upset at him, goes, why do you want to wreck this company? And what is Michael Douglas's response? Because it's wreckable. Mm. And so if you, this is actually part of our huge AI proposal. If you leave one gap, one seam in the Titanic, it doesn't need to hit an iceberg. It's just going down by its weight. So if something's wreckable, where we live in what we've seen for the last 15, 20 years in terms of the marginalization of employment and labor and the the vast income inequality between the percentages, 400, 450% a CEO makes over a worker. If you leave something wreckable, they'll wreck it. And, and that is kind of what's happened in the, I, I think mostly just in the last 15 years, our negotiation cycles are every three years. So since on or about 2008 to 2023, it's been very wrecked. Yes. Yeah. You've been mentioning a few of the contractual, the major sticking points. They include living wage, you know, streaming residuals, AI and such. You have been in the room as part of the negotiating committee, I suppose, since June 7th. And I know you probably can't give us every detail, but uh, can you give me an idea of how those negotiations went up until July 13th when they broke down? Yeah, there are some specifics, obviously, that I, I can't express, but I would say in general, um, I, I think we we have to understand that the AMPTP is a set of people who are representatives of their companies, along with Carol Lombardini, who actually is, you know, an AMPTP the head of and 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 runs the negotiations. I think the back and forth one would probably describe early on as fairly standard. And uh, we knew coming in that we we have a, a lot of needs that have not been addressed for the last, as I said, 12 or 15 years and a lot of things that have gone away. And then from Stan, Fran's standpoint, things that they may not be page one rewrites of structure, but they're they're on the brink of them. And they kind of seem to play the negotiations just from the standpoint of, you know, it was just another standard cycle in which we're going to get what we want and SAG-AFTRA is going to accept it and they're going to live with it and they're going to walk away and take what we give them. And, you know, here's some bumps here and some standard bumps there. The minimums is a really good example of of what we put forth and what they came back with, which is laughable based on the level of inflation for the last six years through COVID and before. Um, And so I would call it pretty standard, which in a way was useless because we're not in a standard scenario at the moment. But I would say it was pretty normal, uh, you know, up until obviously we, we, you know, were magnanimous and provided an extension based on the fact that it was a truncated negotiating period. Three, three and a half weeks is not really that long for something as extensive as putting in something just as complicated as AI. Uh, but they really didn't do much during that extension that we granted them, which was, for those of us in the room, was extraordinarily odd. And uh, I, I can't characterize it because I can't speak for how they thought, but it did feel like a waste of six of the 12 days. And then all of a sudden they wanted to cram everything into the last 48 hours. I think, I guess, 
just figuring that we would just fold and accept it. But this room is 100% unanimous in uh, no, not this time, not this contract, no. not in this moment. No. But President Fran Drescher had an inkling that uh, during that extension, they used it to promote their big summer movies. Yes, uh, th there certainly uh, was conversation that surrounded that time frame, and and we got a lot of input, or I should say, a lot of us on the committee were were constantly being hit with the idea of having a continued extension. Uh, but that room was crystal clear that was not going to occur. It didn't yeah. come up. We didn't have to vote on it again. It wasn't another conversation. We were not going past that date. So if that was their play, if which of course I don't know. Uh, if that was their play, yeah, not so much. No, it it sounds like it wasn't all that contentious. And even like three or four weeks ago or something, it seemed like there was a deal coming that the President Drescher seemed uh, pretty positive. And then all of a sudden, it, it just felt like everything broke down. What happened that last day around July 13th? Um, on the 12th, Wednesday, the 12th, uh, which was our, you know, our contract expired at 1159 midnight that night. Um, it's not that anything happened. It's that anything didn't happen. We are, we are a significant distance from what we would call TA, a tentative agreement uh, on a number of crucial things. And just using minimums as an example of what they came back to us when we put to them initially 15.55 for years one, two, and three, because a lot of people forget our contract is for three full years. And three full years in the world we live in, Christine, is just digital technology, but also AI. That, that would have been 50 years in the car business in 1965. So that's a long time to extend out a contract. You have to project into the future. And the truth of the matter is we were so far apart on so many things, setting revenue sharing aside, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, you know, they made a couple of ploys, but the truth is nothing really did happen because they didn't they didn't walk our way uh, in, in any significant or what we felt was genuine way to try and approach a date, making a deal. And how did you feel about Thursday? Um, Disney chief Bob Iger, he was on CNBC saying that writers and actors are not realistic and are not, are not recognizing the economic realities that are facing them. How did you guys react to that? And even worse, <laughs> some anonymous people were saying that they, would, they were willing to wait until writers were actually losing their houses. Yeah, Ron Perlman put out a pretty uh, a pretty stark uh, video on Twitter that I think has uh, since been removed. But I, again, the room I will share this, Christina. Our our committee is is filled with very very smart, long term veteran working people. Uh, we understand the contract and we understand what we're facing. And I think our response was just simply, "Oh, yeah, not really that much of a shock." Uh, there's a, you know, there, there is an echelon in this profession. That's why what, what Dwayne The Rock Johnson did today is so important, which is not stepping off down off someone's throne or high horse, but understanding that 98% of the rank and file of this membership can't make a living nationwide. But Bob Iger lives in a different world. He, you know, when you live that far above the clouds in a private jet, just to use some sort of a metaphor, it's pretty hard to see what's actually happening on the ground. And so the idea for him to use the word unrealistic is, is to me ironic because it's unrealistic to try and couch what you believe is happening on the ground when you don't ever even notice it yourself because it's not where you live. So I, I, you know, I can set aside his salary. I can set aside a lot of things going on in this country. But uh, the truth of the matter is 
the valuation of, of what our package would be across the course of three years for all of these companies to, to deal with is, it's not a pittance, but it would not alter the reality of their business model at all. Um, they've had a free ride. They've been able to treat the last 12, 15 years like the Wild West. They haven't had any concern for budgets or risk of doing business. I'm an entrepreneur. I created my own company out of nothing. I've seen this movie personally. And, you know, we have a thing in this country, which we saw during COVID, called risk of doing business. But they haven't had to worry about it. And because of that, it's been off the backs of the writers and actors not getting properly compensated. And that that day is over with. That dog's not going to hunt anymore because I'm from Tennessee, so I have to say that. Um, but, but you know, him calling that realistic, um, well, I understand why he believes that, and I understand that they've gotten what they've wanted for the last 12 or 15 years, but uh, no mas. And your reaction to their statement that they presented, a, quote, a deal that offered historic pay and residual increases, end quote? Well, with respect, Christine, somebody could offer a dollar more and call it historic. So I, I find historic to be a fairly... Um, thin talking point and a thin narrative to anything. And once again, across three years, amortized out, it doesn't take a, you know, a, a, a CPA to express that over the course of a, a nation and 160,000 members that if you call something, you know, an increase of 50 or $100 million to companies that make billions as historic, well then sure, you're allowed to couch it that way. But, you know, it's, there's, it's also kind of like saying, well, I only hit you four times this time as opposed to hitting you eight. So uh, you can couch anything, you know, on either side of good, bad, or half full, half empty as historic. It doesn't make it um, equitable in terms of creating a living wage for a labor force that exists and creates the profits that you make. Now, these were anonymous sources, the ones that said brutal statement that actually lose their homes before they come to the negotiating table. Is that some kind of scare tactic? Sure, sure. They do it all. I mean, you know, uh, I have an old quote that I made up for myself a long time ago for my own personal life, which is just because something's possible doesn't make it a good idea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is it it's certainly possible to make those kind of statements. It's certainly possible to threaten people in in sort of a vague, fluid kind of way. It doesn't necessarily make it a good idea at this time, because part of what's occurred, Christine, is, yes, there are people who who are going to struggle inclusive of the fact that it's it's impossible for me to make a living uh, after all the years of expertise that I have along with, uh, you know, most of my peers. But also we have been dealing with this for a while. And so a lot of people have already found other ways in their lives to protect their home or protect their lifestyle. And so it's, it's, not, a, it's not as though 98% of us were working and all of a sudden zero occurred. This has been going on for some time for us. So while I can set aside the statement and just go, a lot of people in this profession, writers and actors, are a lot more prepared for the difficulty of what this strike means than, once again, the people above the clouds and the private jet may realize because we've already been dealing with it for a while. But scare tactic? Sure, that's exactly what it is. Or veiled threat, whatever you want to phrase. But, yeah, they, you know, they're going to going to find out that's we're okay with that go ahead and threaten us we're cool i just want to talk a little bit about the ai proposal that they had um <laughs> tell the listeners what they proposed well there, there's a lot there ai is an incredibly complex issue from generative ai to 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 digital creation there's there's a lot of ways to look at ai what we and and i will say this out loud for myself i'm speaking for myself that Anything that you come up with that is 
built the way AI is. There, there is no perfect solution, but what you do have to do from a, from a voice and likeness standpoint is you have to create a proposal that is going to seal it up tighter, twice as tight as any drum you've ever seen. And so that any in, incursions into that or any, um, let's say, breakage of that contract is something you simply have to file a claim on and eventually file a lawsuit. Sarah Silverman just filed one. I don't think there's any way to get around that, um, which eventually winds up possibly making its way up to, to higher courts down the road in terms of someone's likeness. But in terms of a labor work contract, you have to at least put fences around something to protect the workers. And our proposal was designed to do exactly that. It doesn't mean someone isn't going to try and break it. It doesn't mean some, you know, like any law, there's speed limits. Doesn't mean people drive at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you look at AI, it is it is a a very um, invasive technology, and it has a zillion applications. We have two AI experts in our committee, and we put together a proposal that protects us. They decided to try and basically relanguage that, and all I can share with you is. It's laughable. The, the, uh, I think the way to characterize the room with regards to what they took seriously, uh, two weeks, over a week, it was absurd how long they took to get us the second, you know, uh, response back. They, they very cleverly, you know, look at something because it's parsing words, right? Legal stuff. And it, it's laughable because you can drive semi trucks through what they proposed back to us in terms of what they could get away with. Uh, in terms of what AI can do. And so at this point, it's just pretty simple. It's, it's, it's not acceptable. That's all. Are there any negotiations going on now at all with the studios? Not, I have to be very careful, not, not mm-hmm. to my knowledge. But then again, let's understand that there is a, there is a parsed difference between our national executive director, top lawyer, Dun, you know, Duncan Crabtree Ireland and, and his associate Ray Rodriguez and the committee. We are there to to bolster the process of the negotiations along with voting. And I, I am we have not been called back in the room at this moment in time. Uh, that does not mean that there aren't some form of ex parte conversations occurring. Mm-hmm. But as far as we are concerned, uh, we are on strike. And right now, the union across the nation, inclusive of what's going on in Times Square this morning in in uh, in Manhattan, um, we are focused on executing and organizing a strike in the best way that we know how at this time for our membership. You are also on the organizing committee, (laughs) which means that you're actually boots on the ground going to all the, you know, organizing all the different, because how, what is it like out there? How are people feeling? Well, it's early, you know, Christina, we, this, you know, this is easy to say in the sense of this generation has never done a strike. Uh, and in, in this way, and that, you know, we haven't executed one, and that in ways includes me, even though I certainly was a part of the 2000 commercial strike, very different contract, uh, very different situation, and very different time in this country. Um, but you learn by doing, you know, vocational, you know, it's the old thing, you know, learn how to swim, yeah, I'll throw you in the water, and you'll figure it out. Uh, we are both from a staff and from a membership standpoint, uh, we are figuring it out. And so far from what I've seen, because I have to go around to all the locations, we have seven studio lot locations with with eight impending with Universal. Don't get me started. Uh, and so, you know, so far, what I think that we are doing terrific. And, you know, it's been it's been lovely to have some expertise insight from, you know, boots on the ground with the Writers Guild uh, captains 
mm-hmm. you know, being being assisting to us. But uh, we have a pretty pretty sharp machine working here and in New York. And so far, after we're we're on what officially we're on day business day eight today. Last Friday, two Fridays ago, last week, and then today Tuesday. Um, and from what I've seen, I'd give it about a. I'd, I'd give it about a 92. You know, it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. Sorry, that's a solid gold <laughs> joke. Um, I'm an ex-comic, Christine. I can't help it. Uh, but but it's going well. And you're going to have, you know, you're going to have some supply wrinkles. You know, it's it's much hotter in the valley where I live in Studio City. It's 98, oh, 97. Um, it's hot, hotter over here than it is at Fox or, or at Amazon. Um, but I, I would have to I would have to give the staff and all of our volunteers, the people who are stepping up to be strike captains, gate captains, lot coordinators, uh, I have to give us a, a, a really solid A at this point. We want to get it up to an A plus because we want everyone to feel supportive, have enough rotation that it protects everybody's schedule. But I have to say for, for an entity as large as ours who has never actually logistically gone through from narrative messaging and also boots on the ground, uh, I, I think we've done a pretty solid job for the first eight days. Yesterday, Duncan Crabtree Ireland said that this could go on until next year, 2024. I mean, how it, how will people financially survive? Um, what do you think you know, the outcome will be and, and how long can you manage? Well, I, I have, if, if Duncan said that, then I certainly cannot uh, and I would not override his perspective on yeah. that. Yeah, it could mm-hmm. be. Um, I I would, I personally, you know, I still believe in a place called hope. Uh, I don't want to, thank you, Christina. I don't necessarily uh, want to, to believe or feel that it, that it could be much shorter than that. Uh, it's always best to, you know, like a haircut, it's always best to, you know, leave it longer because, you know, you can always cut more. Um, I do think it's an interesting content challenge in that we are basically on strike against companies that have very different interests and they have very different programming and they have very different distribution. Uh, you know, you have cable, you have paid television, you have high budget SVOD, high budget AVOD and uh, ad supported video on demand and you have broadcast television. You have a very different mix sitting at the table across from us and how each one of those is going to adjudicate the process of their programming, programming for the next four to six months for it to go into 2020. 24, eh, I can't, certainly can't answer that. I'd like to believe it's going to be much shorter, but I'm, uh, I, I think a lot of this union dur- throughout the course of this year leading up to June 30th of our initial sunset date for our contract, I think a lot of us saw this coming. So mm-hmm. I'd like to believe that a lot of people have taken a lot of preparations in relation to this. And the reality is, Christina, yeah, a lot of people will have second and third jobs. A lot of people will be doing various uh, tools and things that you can do online in terms of income. So uh, I, I, I would like to say that a good percentage of this membership uh, is prepared for this and can hold out uh, for a long time. And we know, we are very clear, um, this is an existential contract. Otherwise, we we, 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 don't, we don't exist anymore. It would be literally just a half percent of stars and... 99 and a half percent indentured servants and we're we're pretty aware of that so you're willing to really fight for till the end of this there's no point in going half ass <laughs> yeah unfortunately you're talking to me so i am i am somebody who grew up in rural tennessee and and i have i you know i have never been a millionaire with the work that i've done and so for someone like myself who also played highly competitive sports uh, yeah, I will stand to the last. 
Did you have yourself productions that are on hold now that you were about to go into or you were working on? I have one. And then I also have a, I, I have two life right stories that I was on the precipice of uh, pitching and selling. And uh, that's all come to a halt, mm-hmm. you know, with the writers that I work with as well. Talking about this weekend, I mean, who could have missed the Barbenheimer weekend that we just had and the enthusiasm and joy of going to the movies and the incredible numbers that these uh, movies and other movies have had, and also the enthusiasm around shows that have been like Succession. Shouldn't this push the studios to end this strike when seeing enthusiasm for movies coming back in this way and for TV as well. I do. You know, on I think, again, it depends on how someone chooses half full, half empty. They can say, look, regardless of them, we still did this. And so they can choose to look at it that way. But at the same time, uh, it just it does go to show that we are pretty responsible for the money that gets made. And and so you would like to believe that's the case. But theatrical distribution in first run theaters across the country is quite different than the streaming streamer subscription based model versus paid television model versus network broadcasting cable models. And so uh, I'd like to believe that those movies remind them of why it's, it really doesn't hurt that much to provide a really terrific contract to us. But, you know, people who are used to in all aspects of life, people who are used to a certain way of life are used to sort of getting what they want all the time. Uh, it's, it's very hard to get them to change the belief that they need to change. It's just simply mm-hmm. difficult for people. And so I, I'd i like to believe that that tells them something, but I think the only thing that's going to really matter to them is the bottom line. And until that bottom line starts to, or they get enough from the court of public opinion, which would be wonderful for people, more people in America to to have a, a stance against them. I'll, I'll leave you with this, with this is because it's one of my favorite metaphors about being an actor. Uh, who was former athlete. And that is, you know, if you're a parent, let's just say in the Midwest and your daughter comes home one day and she's 20 and she says she fell in love with an actor. Um, the response tends to, you know, be a little bit like, oh no, artist, he's never going to make any money or be responsible. And yet the second that we go on strike, everybody in Hollywood is a baby millionaire and you can't have it both ways. And it's not both ways. It's actually quite the opposite. Uh, and so they can look at the success of the openings of their movies, but you know the only real truth that's going to matter is as each day goes by, uh, how quickly does that dry up, and when do they, when does that line in the black start dropping into the red? And I think unfortunately that's going to be the only thing that really matters to them. Finally, Kim, for us that really need you, writers and actors, you know who fill our lives with with such entertainment. But are you positive that you'll have a deal and that we'll see everything out in full force? Uh, I do. I, I'm going to you know, say in a healthy place of intelligent hope. You know, We've had animation for a long, long time in this profession. And while AI is not necessarily animation, the truth of the matter is we are human and we live our daily lives. And most of us you know, don't live our lives in a Jetson pack. So we tend to resonate and like to watch entertainment that, that resonates with us in a way that, that we can associate with it based on our daily lives. And so as we get more stars who come out, which we've seen in the letter that circulated Hollywood that was signed by so many people, uh, when you see The Rock doing things like he's doing, I know Mark Wahlberg is also doing some things uh, quietly to be helpful. I, I think finally when we have our big guns standing up and who realize AI is an existential threat to them as well, and you combine those, those realities for the full concatenation of this union, 
uh, I, I have to believe in the hope that uh, that we will be on the, as Fran said, the right side of history and that we will stay strong until the end because uh, we have to not only have a, a really logical winning deal, it has to be a winning deal that also protects the near future and makes up for a lot of what's been taken from the recent past. Kevin E. West, thank you so much and sending you much support. And I know that you have a long, difficult road um, ahead of you with Thank you so much for your tireless efforts and for spending my, time with me. <laughs> <laughs> my absolute pleasure, Christina. Thanks for having me. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.